Hey guys, this is Adam, and you're listening to Startups in Depth. The goal here is to just keep asking questions until things make sense. Hey guys, this is Adam. Um, you're listening to Startups in Depth. I'm here with Herman Martinez, the founder of Just Sketch Me. How's it going, Herman? Hey Adam, thanks for having me. Um, it's going pretty good. I'm currently in a cabin in the woods, just escaping the city's uh, because we're currently peaking in South Africa uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. Right. And uh, I've been meaning to get out into the wild for a while, and I'm out here for the next week. Uh, and I'm glad that I have internet connections so that we can have this chat. Um, but down in my actual cabin, there is no cell phone reception and no internet connection which, you know, of any sort, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. The main house where the fire is. Was that like a purposeful? Do you like to have kind of like, I don't know, unconnected time like from the internet digital world? Well, in theory, certainly. Yeah. Um, in practice, it's it's harder to to get around to doing. Uh, what I find quite nice about getting away to places like this is that I don't really have a choice when I go down to my mm-hmm. cabin. Is there is no way to connect with the rest of the world. Yeah. And it's actually quite refreshing. But setting up those parameters at home are tougher because you know the wi-fi reaches my room and if i take any electronics into my room then my room automatically becomes connected um so here it's kind of like a uh forced uh digital minimalism which uh i guess we talked about a bit last time right and uh i've been enjoying it (laughs) yeah i'm i'm really big into that too i i just started recently there's an app called self-control it only works on Macs, and you can basically I don't know, like schedule a time period where there's no internet. So it's kind of like simulating, like being away in a cabin. Um, and I started using that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. It's, um, I, I do have that, uh, as a link and I am going to try it out when I do um, decide to re-enter, you know, civilization. (laughs) Um, but in the meantime, uh, I've got a nice big stack of books. I actually just started reading uh, moonwalking with Einstein, which oh, is cool. about those um, those memory championship people who yeah. can do really ridiculous things like memorize a thousand integers in mm-hmm. five minutes or something crazy, and then just repeat them all to you and keep that going for years. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Maybe the next time we talk, uh, I will have memorized some poetry <laughs> for you. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I've come across that book too before. I forget where, um, but yeah, I'll def- you'll have to let me know how it is. I'll do that. I'll do that. So let's jump into. I think last time. So you, I mean, you're an interesting guy because you have so many different businesses. We talked about just sketch me, um, some words for me, a lot of uh, like bear blog and stuff. So, is there any one in particular you want to like talk about? Um, so the one that I spend the most time on and have been focusing on for the past couple of months has been Just Sketch Me. Um, and this past week has actually been fairly interesting uh, as I've got my new employee who's right. uh, currently running all of the marketing efforts. Um, and I've also been putting in a lot of uh, systems to do business automation. So uh, last week I had my accountant on the phone with me for you know, three hours as we figured out how to link up my payment processor to uh, Zapier to get all of my sales to pull through to the accounting software. Gotcha. Um, And then because I'm in South Africa, there's also uh, the sale happens and it goes to 
PayPal and then PayPal gets withdrawn to a bank account in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And so there's just like fees all the way along and then there's currency conversions happening right. uh, along the way as well. So my accounts is actually kind of complicated. Yeah. Um, this past week has kind of been me just finding the best way to automate it. And this was actually the first time that I've been using uh, Zapier and it's fantastic for prototyping automation mm-hmm. um but it is going to become too expensive for well, not too expensive for me it's just going to become quite expensive yeah. and i think zapier has a really good place in that you can use it to to refine what your business processes should be and then once you figure that out go and build it yourself using like cloud functions or something right. um so one of the one of the zaps that i have uh let me let me run you through it yeah. it is when when I get a um, when I get a sale on Gumroad, so Gumroad is my payment processor, mm-hmm. and uh, so a sale comes through from Gumroad, mm-hmm. and it gets sent off to Zero, which is my accounting software. Mm-hmm. Then I've got a filter set up that checks to see whether this is the first transaction from this user or not. So if it is the first transaction, then we can assume that this is a new subscriber. Yeah. So if it is a new subscriber, it sends a message to my Gumroad updates in Slack, mm-hmm. uh, my, my Slack channel, um, just so that I can keep my finger on the pulse. Uh, in the Slack channel, I've also got like cancellations so that I can kind of see what's happening, but just flipping over to that channel. Yeah. Um, and then that uh, adds this person as a new subscriber to the paid subscribers, uh, so, sorry, as this, as a new yes, subscriber to the paid subscribers lists. It lists in email octopus my um, my mail uh, mail server. Yeah. Then it delays for a day, and then it sends an email uh, from my Gmail account to that person, pretty much doing like a quick check in on board, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of very. I wouldn't want to say personalized because I'm technically sending it to, to every new subscriber, but it feels very personalized because it's a message directly from me saying, hey, quick check-in, you doing good? Uh, also, got any suggestions? And, um, you know, leave them a little smiley face. Yeah. And so that's that's one uh, zap, and it is such a good uh, piece of automation that took me about an hour to set up properly. Mm-hmm. And now that it's running, it solves so many of my problems. At some point, I am going to uh, write that all as one big cloud function, because mm-hmm. um, I get you know between thirty and forty uh, sales a day, and that number is growing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm probably going to be hitting the um, sort of mid tiers on Xavier, mm-hmm. which start getting quite expensive, and uh, I it. How if I can write that as a cloud function in a day, it might be well worth my time. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. How, like, I know for me, I'm a little bit um, I don't want to say like a perfectionist, but like I tend to take too much time with things. So whenever I'm in these kind of situations, I I spend a lot of time like mm-hmm. googling for competing products and just trying to like understand the you know, the area, like, did you have to spend a lot of time researching this before or were you able to just like jump into it? So I actually have, um, I have a bit of a different thing with that is that like when I, when it comes to, um, 
when it comes to finding the tool to use, I tend to only look at like one or two and then just immediately choose one and go with it. Yeah. Um, um, research and planning. And what's nice about that is that like, if something comes along that is better that I can use, I can switch over to it um, hassle-free. Um, but it really depends on it really depends on what I'm using it for. So let's say, for instance, business automation using Xavier. Yeah. If I instead want to use a competing product, it will probably take me, you know, the first half of the day to move all of my automation over to that new system. Yeah. Whereas if I were building out the product, uh, you know, so choosing the framework that I'm using, um, et cetera, et cetera, rebuilding the product is a completely different uh, game. It's like I want to be meticulous about what tools I used for that job because it's a lot bigger and it's harder to um, to uh, undo that and, or to, to build it out in something else. Yeah. Uh, so it, it depends on what the task is. I, I find with, with the smaller tasks or with the smaller decisions, it's just the, the, the best the best way to, to get to it is just to choose one and run with it. That makes sense. Uh, because you can spend a very long time deciding which tool to use. Yeah. Are there a lot of, like, another part of what I was asking is about, like, corner cases and stuff, like, really understanding how the the process works so that you can make sure that, like, you do it properly and, like, you don't run into any issues. Like, do you feel confident in your setup, like, you're not going to run into any corner cases? So there were a couple of there were a couple of corner cases that I ran into, um, but it sounds like one big Xavier ad now. But I contacted Xavier support and they sorted me out yeah. in no time, um, which was quite nice. I have also you know given them a, a nice chunk of change, right? Uh, so I'm glad that they responded to me yeah. in a in a short amount of time. Um, it's actually doing everything that I needed to do. Uh, bar, and this is more on Gumroad side, is I would really like to get all of the sales information for the week when it does a payout, mm -hmm. and then send that to my accountants instead of um, doing it sale by sale. Yeah. Um, but that's not, unfortunately, not available on Gumroad side. And it's also one of those things that you can't really know in advance. You can't like pick right. your your payment processor with this very niche API. Uh, case mind yeah <laughs> yeah i'm also so entrenched in in gumroad's infrastructure right now that if gumroad at any point decides to kick me up <laughs> with the system i'm going to sweat bullets right <laughs> that's funny cool so um, but you know oh. I, I won't be able to move it over it's just going to be a mission <laughs> yeah so you've got all that automation set up. That sounds really cool. And you you said you also hired your first employee who is doing like social media kind of stuff. And... So he's, I, I like to think of him as um, sort of championing uh, content and outreach. Mm -hmm. So he's writing uh, blog posts. He's um, creating social media content. We're also dipping our feet into Pinterest, okay. um, which is and we haven't validated this assumption yet, but theoretically a good place for us to advertise as it is a search engine that artists tend to use to right. find uh, references for figure drawing. Right. So if we have a whole bunch of um, if we have a whole bunch of content that shows up in search over there that links back to just sketch me or at least has the just sketch me branding, people will say search 
um, women sitting on chair pose, mm-hmm. and they will see one of our models sitting on a chair, yeah. and at the bottom it will say, just sketch me, and they'll be like, hmm, that is interesting. Yeah. I'll have a link back to it, and um, so we get more users. Um, but that's just an assumption that we're making right now. And right. over the next, let's say, month, month and a half, we're going to test that assumption. Yeah. And if we only have a handful of people uh, coming through from Pinterest, we're going to divert that um, energy to a different channel. Uh, but I'm still a bit, I'm still quite bullish on Pinterest. I think that it's a niche. Uh, channel for people. There are very few companies, I think, that can effectively advertise on Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you have, like, your yeah. company is positioned in a place where ads are likely to be successful because you're targeting people who are looking for, like, art art poses. And it's pretty obvious, like, when people are searching for that, like, like you said, if they go on Pinterest and search woman, you know, posing in this sense, like, they're clearly a target customer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the other things that we're uh, we're trying to figure out is is TikTok because a lot of artists, especially younger artists, are on TikTok like publishing their speed drawings mm-hmm. or um, their works in process. Um, some of them have are publishing like art hacks, which are uh, essentially like this is a 30 second video to show you how to effectively draw anime eyes or this is a um, minute long video to show you how to rough out a pose using just sketch me yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. which was actually one of the one of the cool tiktoks that did pop up um, a while back which got something ridiculous like 93,000 views nice uh, so our are really the the TikTok generation. Yeah. Uh, so it might be worth getting someone, you know, a good six or seven years younger than me to <laughs> to figure that whole shebang out. Right. Uh, but if we can figure out TikTok, um, really cool. What I'm thinking of doing is we've given out a lot of um, a lot of free license keys over the past six months. Yeah. And uh, oh, uh, sometimes a week we're going to email all of them and say, hey, can you sketch us something of your choice using just sketch me mm-hmm. uh, and send us the video of it and then we'll cr- that will be a nice big uh, amount of content that we can turn into TikTok or even Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter content uh, so you know add a backtrack chop it up and uh, show you know nice um, quick quick sticks bits and pieces of them sketching and stuff and then the final pro- uh, the, the final result and uh, that that's great content because people a love watching um, that process that that creative process of you know putting down a blank piece of paper and um, creating something cool on it and uh, b because it is user generated content uh, it is a lot less work on our side we don't have to go and all the content for these videos because yeah. we have such a big body of um, of audiences to <laughs> to draw from yeah um so i'm quite excited about that cool what about like other um ad platforms like google and stuff have you tried them i i had a friend who started a company that used machine learning to optimize your google 
ads keywords. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to, to Frank and AdBot, cool. which is at adbot.ca.za. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, it worked really well. We, we managed to optimize our keywords uh, fairly well, and we probably dropped about dollars over three months into um, into Google uh, Wait, AdWords. Can, can you say that again? It the, cut, it, the number like cut. oh, uh, so so we we dropped about a thousand dollars over three okay. months into Google AdWords to yeah. do a to do a bit of a test. Now the issue that we had over there is that we, uh, as you know, we have a very very large free user base because mm-hmm. this is a free tool and artists are also notoriously. Um, Uh, so we kind of thrive on giving us a very well-polished free product and then for like illustration houses or um, uh, graphic novel artists who would use it a lot more uh, and would like to have some more power tools they're the ones who end up upgrading Mm -hmm. so what happened with uh, Google AdWords is we were paying between 25 and 50 cents a click yeah uh but the number of users that i actually needed to attract in order to make it a profitable venture it was just it it was unfortunately just not sustainable Um, we wouldn't make the money that we spent on google adwords back from the number of people who we attracted uh with google adwords so we've been predominantly relying on uh organic um non-paid forms of advertising as it's actually if you put the time and effort into it you get um a much better result um but if you are inverting for uh of the people who visit your page into paid um into paid users then Hey, Google ads probably work great for you. Um, yeah, I, I've heard a lot that like organic um, user acquisition stuff, like it, it usually pays off in the long run, but it's just kind of like an upfront investment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that's uh, um, that's kind of why I've hired someone to to champion that. Is it's a lot of work to create content consistently. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's, for instance, I think it's uh, plausible, the analytics platform, or one of these startups has popped up in the past couple of months. I'm trying to figure out who it was, but there were two engineers who started creating this thing, and they realized that one of them has to be generating content full-time. Yeah. And it's, it is a thing that we all have to realize at some point is that marketing and uh or more just like customer acquisition is as important if not more important than the actual product itself mm-hmm. um although when it comes to reducing churn you know focus on your product focus on your support yeah um but to bring people in you know the the golden days of build something awesome and they will come yeah ended in the <laughs> uh in like 2010, 2010 latest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget, how much does the product itself cost? Or are there different tiers? Uh, so there's only one tier, but you can either pay monthly or yearly. Yeah. So it's $9 per month. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, or it is $79 per year, which is mm-hmm. roughly 27% discount. Yeah. Uh, if you pay a year upfront, turns out that how you position that is um, a lot more important than I originally anticipated. I, yeah. just, I reworked the copy uh, last week to highlight the fact that the uh, year subscription is cheaper and yeah. um, you know cooler for you. And uh, we ended up getting, I think, three year subscriptions in the past week, which is up from generally getting like one every two weeks. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite happy with that. And if more people can um, take out your subscriptions, that would be really awesome as it's 12 months up front. So mm-hmm. it's more cash flow. Uh, sorry, it's more cash available to us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it is uh, sort of, we're, we're not entirely sure what our churn looks like over a year yeah. because we've only been monetized for the past seven months. Right. Um, so we know that these customers aren't going to churn for the next year, at okay. least, <laughs> which is uh, quite a good feeling. Yeah. No, I, I ex- like have some experience with that. My premium poker tools is like, I guess, kind of similar. Um, it, it costs $75 for like like a lifetime access for the premium tier and then $25 for like the basic tier and I get like one or two premiums a month and like you know it's not a super successful product but like when I do it's always like a great day when I get that email from Stripe like $75 yes so I I've been playing around with the idea of putting up a um a lifetime price Mm uh as it's something that's been requested quite frequently yeah and I've always been a bit hesitant about doing it as um I don't know, because I have to pay server costs and um, mm-hmm. all these recurring expenses that I'm sort of loathe to say this is going to be available to you forever right. if you uh, if you pay this, this amount. Um, but I also, when I say I'm paying server costs, I think I mentioned to you last time I'm actually not, because uh, I've oh, done I don't, a bunch of really good optimization. Oh, cool. Um, uh, so... Theoretically, uh, give a lifetime free subscription. Sorry, a lifetime subscription for a fixed price. I'm just trying to figure out. Like, I'd say the the general rule of thumb is like three years, um, mm-hmm. three years. Uh, some of that. I just no, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah, three so three like times the year. Any price. A, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, getting that uh, out there might solve that problem quite well. Yeah. But I'm also l- loath to test it and then have to isn't working so well, um, and then try and figure out how to move those people over to the to the subscription yeah. or something. Yeah, for me. I guess one way to do that would just be if if they if that experiment fails, just get in touch with those people and say, hey, can you please use this license key instead? Right. <laughs> for me, from Premium Poker Tools, I, I I was the same as, I was, like, very loath to do, you know, lifetime kind of pricing. Um, because to me, like, there's so much more upside with monthly or annually. Because... Um, I don't know if, if thinking 10 years down the, down the line, like if someone stays for 10 years, that's just like so much revenue for you or 20 years possibly. Um, and I know not every user is like that, but like that upside that like some users might stick with you for so long, um, like you're losing out on a lot of revenue from that. 
Yeah, that's actually that's actually a very fair point. Um, let me quickly make a note over here in my Trello card. Go for it. Explore. <laughs> Explore lifetime access. Cool. Better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another thing that's that's been fairly interesting over the past week is I stumbled on a blog post by Greg Kogan okay. talking about how Netlify has refined its emails. Um, <laughs> The, the emails that they send out to customers. Yeah. So first of all, it's I'm I'm a, I'm a huge believer that text-based emails or just like basic, you know, the kinds of emails that right. you receive and send are the most performative uh, emails that you can send out, mm -hmm. and also the the ones that you would prefer to receive yourself because uh, they are they look less marketingy. Wait, so let me just they, clarify for listeners. So you're saying like text-based emails um as opposed to like HTML emails. So with HTML emails, you can have pictures, you can have like tables, you can have color and like styling and stuff like that. That's what you're referring to, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so I actually, uh, and it has been shown in, in uh, quite a few pieces that I've read that these HTML emails is people uh, from the get-go see that they are marketing content and we've become quite marketing averse. Yeah. Um, over the past, you know, how, however many years that internet marketing has become absolutely wild. Right. Um, so when you read a HTML email, you tend to, to turn off or because you recognize it as marketing content, you have your, your guard up. Um, so what, uh, so I've, I've, I've always been a very big fan of sending off text, mm -hmm. te like just basic text emails, but this, um, this, blog post that I was reading by, by Greg Kogan was talking about how the length of the emails uh, affects their uh, their um, usefulness. Mm -hmm. So he was using uh, Netlify as an example. Netlify used to send out uh, emails. Let's take, for instance, as part of the onboarding process, like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I'm, it's XYZ from Netlify. I'm just here checking in about ABC. Have you seen uh, our resources over here? Also, our support center is over here, and whatever, whatever. Please feel free to get in touch with me if you ever have any problems. Regards, you know, Netlify yeah. support man named Steve. Um, and so that had a very, very low uh, interaction rate. Um, and uh, it, as uh, if you sign up to a, if you sign up to a product and you get something like that, you're very likely to just dismiss it. Yeah. So what they did is they went and they. Um, they made their emails really short. So yeah. it would just be like, hey, it's your boy from Netlify. Mm -hmm. um, nice to have you as a part of us. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to see added, um, you know, feature-wise? Uh, what are you using it for? Uh, kind regards, your boy. Yeah. And they saw that there was a... Uh, it, it, was, it was having interaction rate that their previous emails were mm -hmm. that's that's huge so they decided to do an a b test to check whether they could improve that even more by making the email so their email their uh email now is something along the lines of hi quick question in that look five four or something along those lines and they saw it do something ridiculous, like 8x 
huge, right? The the amount of improvement from their long email to their to their tiny email was worlds away. And there's a lot of hypotheses around why this is the case. If you're overloading uh, uh, people, if you're not giving them a very distinct call to action, if you are giving them multiple calls to action, um, it actually reduces the amount of actions that these people take. Yeah. So I'm a, uh, with similar thing on my side is, um, I, when someone's been with just sketch me for a couple of days, email pops up for them that comes directly from me that says hi uh just checking in is there anything that you'd like to, to see added to just sketch me uh kind regards Herman. yeah and the this has actually worked exceedingly well and i think it's worked better it's, it's certainly worked better than a bunch of um feedback emails that i've tried to do in the past like google forms etc etc uh and i've got this big old page on Notion full of feedback that I've been um, meaning to <laughs> turn into Trello cards for the past week. Right. Um, but that has been an experiment that has worked fantastically. And I am quite happy. Thank you, Greg Cogan. If you ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> you've changed the way that I approach email. That's awesome. And I think this is going to change the way, um, you know, other people approach email. It, it's influenced me. I, this is like something that I know is going to stick in my mind. Like next time I'm writing one of these emails. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, and uh, if you think about it in terms of just like things that you receive personally, yeah. is if it's just a, Hey Adam, you know, what's cracking, right. you're much more likely to respond than yeah. if I sent you a big old email and uh, sort of expected you to respond to multiple questions that I had and give your opinions on multiple thoughts that i've been having right yeah i'm gonna be aware of this too like from the consumer side like me receiving emails from other people i'm gonna be like hmm, which email am i likely to respond to <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um and that uh that also means but in, in in a way i've given myself extra work over here because now that i'm receiving all of this feedback i need to categorize yeah. it, figure out what's fluff and what's important and then um prioritize it and uh put aside time to actually work on the on the important bits yeah what was i gonna ask there was something i was gonna ask um oh yeah this seems like a good thing for you to write a blog post about i have this theory by the way of um so <clears throat> me and me and you we've talked about writing a lot and i think we both want to write more often than we do and one of the things that I know holds me back is like, sometimes I'll have an idea for a blog post and I'll think to myself, someone else has written this, like someone else can write this post better than I can, can write it. Like, there's no point in me, you know, being a third voice, like saying the same thing, but I've started to think that there might be value in being like the 10th person to write this, essentially the same blog post, like saying that short emails are good. Um, it just kind of like gives it more validity, like social proof like this is another person who's claiming that this succeeds so ties into content marketing like could be a good idea that's a very fair point and also don't sell yourself short i've i've read your contents and you do write very well oh, thanks. Um, the 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 most recent one being the uh that, that you did on 
potential energy readily stood out for me and it also <laughs> spoke uh the products that i've worked the products that i've worked on that haven't necessarily worked right. um you, you do use some words for me as an example over there which uh is is telling <laughs> <laughs> uh but I, I think that you're absolutely right that um more people should about their experiences and give like credence and social proof to yeah. to ideas that are out there um i think that there are certain topics that are quite quiet mm -hmm. like if you if you go and you google uh good advice for emailing your customers for feedback yeah. is you'll get a lot of junk right, right? i know because i've done <laughs> i have googled exactly and there is a lot of uh garbage out there that is telling you how to you know make your emails look nice and pretty right. and um how to you know frame the questions in such a way that uh you're getting the most valuable feedback but overall the most the, the best advice that i've gotten about this has been make them short give them one question yeah. if you've got a second question wait wait for them to reply because then they've got skin in the game right yeah and uh I would I would have loved to have stumbled upon that earlier on you know other blogs that I follow. Right. Yeah, for sure. Do you do you write any like blog post content? Like, I'm sure you write like about sketching itself, but do you write like like do you know the open startup movement? The open startup movement. I I don't think I've uh, stumbled on this. So um, there's a lot of uh, startups on indie hackers that are doing this. There's um. It was started by the guy who who has nomadlist.io. I forget his name, but he's like a serial entrepreneur. Um, but like the way it works is like there's like a like a URL, it's like like slash I don't know, open data or something. And when you go to that URL it basically shows like how many users do we have, how much revenue do we have, how many paid page views, um, just basically all the Imp like things that people would be interested in about the startup almost like if you were presenting to an investor like showing all that information um but yeah i feel like there's a lot of interesting blog posts that you you or any entrepreneur can write basically just like making your experiences public like people want to hear stories absolutely i i have a i have a nice big old list of uh of blog posts just uh -huh. the titles worked out that i really want to add content to oh nice um, and, and, you know, now that I'm uh, in a cabin in the woods, I don't really have many excuses for <laughs> not writing stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, so uh, going to the, to the piece that you wrote on um, economic potential energy, yep. I, uh, the whole Y Combinator is make something people want right. and pointing out that, the, that the, the difference between wanting and liking are uh very large has also uh resonated with me quite a lot in that i think the example that you use is that you like meditating but you want a drink or you want a cigarette right um and you like uh writing in your journal but you also want to watch a series or want to watch an episode of bleach right um and it's it, what you say is absolutely true uh, it is much easier to be in the cigarette business than it is in the um, broccoli. I, I, I was just about to say self-help industry, but that's not necessarily true because a lot of the self-help industry is actually selling people 
stuff that they want like they want to get better by buying this book or by you know um subscribing to this course uh but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're they want to put in the effort to do the things that are outlined by that book yeah <laughs> um so some words for me is a great example of it's a product that people uh like they like the idea of writing in their journal and uh being like consistently documenting their life and being more introspective yeah um but it is a lot harder to sell than a netflix subscription yeah yeah no i i think it's, it's very true and uh, i'm not an economist i don't want to or like a policy person i don't want to extend outside my expertise but like i feel like just humanity as a species can be so much better off if people spent the money on the things that they liked instead of the things that they wanted you know spending the money on meditation classes or, or journaling software instead of on netflix and stuff like the amount that human humanity can be better off could be like really large yeah absolutely um and that isn't to say that there isn't a a gap in the market over there is that uh you know people are spending more money on um ethically sourced food mm -hmm. right yeah. and people are spending money on uh a great example is and also probably my favorite person in the world is uh yvonne chernod um hmm. who founded patagonia the, I'll have to check uh, that out. so he he writes he writes a really good book called uh let my people go surfing okay and he talks about the the establishment of or how the company Patagonia came to be and it's a really really interesting uh read just because he's you know this real um climber surfer dude who is like um he's got his like blacksmith uh anvil and stuff and he's uh, making pitons for climbers while on the beach waiting for the next set of waves to come and so he can go out and surf but he's created a company that is very ethically driven and it's actually quite an inspirational tale because he ends up making products that people want uh, and also like, right? Mm -hmm. They like the idea that it is ethically, uh, that is ethically sourced and that it has a low environmental impact and that Patagonia, um, contributes to a whole bunch of environmental movements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that satisfies the, the liking component. Yeah. But they somehow managed to tap into the wanting component as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, despite the fact that, you know, they are significantly more expensive than H and M or Zara or other, you know, fast fashion brands. Yeah. Uh, and it's also uh, just the, the most delightful read and if you're looking to to set up a hugely ethical company i i suggest let my people go surfing it's one of the more fundamental books that i've that i've read yeah no i'm definitely gonna check that out i i always it, it would be really I, I always love to hear people's like favorite person quote unquote you know like what's like the book or <laughs> whatever the person that's inspired you like the most um yeah that's always interesting to hear yeah, he's uh, he's he's uh, a very uh, wild person. You know the you know the meme of like I'm the the most interesting man in the world. Like yeah. I don't always, but when I do, yeah. So Ivan Trinad is is that person. Okay. He uh, 
he decides he wants to learn how to ice climb, so he writes a book on ice climbing. Yeah. Um, as as an example. <laughs> yeah. I guess books were just like the blogs of the old days. Yeah. Is you can you can just pop up a blog, see how to write a whole book. Right. So I'm curious what you think about like. <laughs> So just to kind of summarize this blog post that I wrote a little more, I want to summarize it and then I want to hear what you think of like my, my core hypothesis or like theory. Um, so the idea is that um, wanting versus liking, there are two different things. Psychologists have looked into this a little bit. Like, you know, someone wants a cigarette, but like the cigarette doesn't actually make them happy. So they don't like the cigarette. And kind of the inverse of that is like, um, meditating, like when you meditate, like you're happy, like it makes you feel good, but you don't actually like want to do it. So there's this, you know, in theory, you would like to have your wants and your likes fully overlap with each other. But in practice, a lot of people have trouble to do that. So I kind of talked about how that relates to business and startups and how if you, if you like something, but you don't want it, for example, like meditation, um, you're not going to make the purchase. Like in order to make the purchase, you have to actually want it. And so if you're starting a business that, that people don't want enough, then it's not going to be a good business. But my hypothesis sort of is that this, this goes into the economic potential energy. So if you have something that people really like, but they don't want, it's not a good product right now, but, but there's potential there. And I kind of use potential energy as an analogy, like a ball on top of a hill. It's not moving really fast right now, but it, cause it's so high up, like it has all that like potential. Um, so do you agree with that? Do you think that because it's something people like so much that there actually is that potential there? Um, so, so let's take for instance, meditation yeah. is, uh, headspace has become huge. Uh, hmm. I mean, Padacombe, has uh, you know become an, essentially an uh, overnight millionaire uh, yeah. in a business of people liking, but it, it has certainly had to gain that um, that momentum. Yeah, is if he had tried to start Headspace, you know, ten years ago, it would have been a lot harder to sell because there wasn't enough potential energy mm -hmm. um, for that idea. Uh, he managed to frame it well, but he also managed to release it at the right time mm -hmm. and uh, really sort of nudge it forward. And then when it started, um, you know, picking up that, that, that momentum, it actually created more momentum around it because there were more uh, people talking about meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. And more people were talking about med meditation and mindfulness which meant more people were looking for ways to assist them in becoming more mindful and just picking up more and more momentum as it went down. Yeah. Um, with, with your analogy, you also have a bunch of, of plateaus, right? Is right. that if you get enough, if you get enough movement, you can get over that plateau and mm -hmm. have that, um, the have activation pick up that, that momentum. Um, but then potentially hit another plateau and then hopefully there's enough energy to push through that plateau and keep, uh, keep moving down over there. Um, can you give me an example of, of what you were thinking uh, of specifically over there? Or if you were thinking of anything specific? You're talking about like the activation energy stuff? Yes. Yeah. 
so just to recap that yeah the idea um so if you think back to like your chemistry classes and stuff or even even just to use the ball on a hill analogy um it so if you imagine a ball on top of a hill with like a what's it called like the summit and it's like really long summit like if it was a really small summit you could just nudge the ball and it would fall down the, it would just like roll down the hill but if it's a wide summit it takes more energy to kind of like push it along until it gets to that edge so as that relates to business you I, I think it has a lot to do with customer acquisition um like if you have something that people really like but like they don't want it enough right now like you have to do the work to get it in front of them and to like convince them like this is something that would make your life better um so i think that's the main thing that i had in mind with like the activation or energy is like customer acquisition yeah i think that's a that's a it's a useful way to think about it um mm -hmm. yeah if you have something like um like netflix is is a no-brainer in terms of um the amount of energy required to activate it is like mm -hmm. do you want to have access to <laughs> all of the, yeah. the shows on the planet for a i don't even know how much it costs 14 dollars a month yeah I think 20 dollars like, a month i think it's 15. yeah <laughs> so energy for that is very very low right um or you know committing to to meditating every day yeah uh, has a much higher um has a has a much higher requirement for uh to, to to get activated yeah but uh yeah it's it's really interesting to to think about it in those terms when actually building the product and it has kind of reframed how i will think <laughs> about things going forward <laughs> yeah cool um so actually a conversation that i was having this morning with um with my uh content marketing pr dude um, we were trying to figure out how to best send off emails, you know, like a MailChimp email octopus uh, or something inside of Gmail, like Gmail. Yeah. And it got me thinking of a very simple way to, to do that. If you're sending off just text, text mail, um, having a, uh, a list somewhere that you can add new subscribers to, or new subscribers can be added to via a pop-up or a um, Zapier. Yeah. Uh, but the way that you send up to that list is actually email a specific email address that uh, just forwards that email to the entire list. So you're actually using tools that you're uh, to mask mails those to have to learn a new tool so it's, it's so it's actually reducing the energy the activation energy necessary for you to send out an email mm -hmm. um okay so so i was thinking of um how to send out mass mails um these ones in the, the most unobtrusive way possible and sending them and my thinking was to have an email address that you send your email to that then forwards to everyone on that mailing list. Yeah. Um, my, my thinking over there is that you don't use the news tool. It's actually 
similar to some words for me in that matter in, in that fashion is that you don't have to learn how to um, sorry you don't have to learn how to use your online journals you can just use tools that you're familiar with email right and, uh sms right um so same thing for sending that mail is you know how to send individual emails so you send that individual email to the specific email address and it just pulls that message to the entire list of people mm-hmm. um i've been playing around with setting that up over the next week as a tool for just sketch me and mm-hmm. if it works really well for us then potentially turning that into a product i'm thinking just mail me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i like that thinking that's a really cool just framework for ideas like like um integrating with things that people already know how to use like email and text messages i'm, on, I'm just thinking yeah like, it I, was wonder quite how... bullish. I, I was quite bullish on the idea of um of chatbots uh a while back uh-huh. yeah. uh, i think everyone was quite <laughs> excited about the potential for, for using chats around the world um but that's kind of fallen out of favor recently yeah it has Yeah, like uh, I remember when I was when I was riding that whole cryptocurrency train. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm quite a big uh, quite a big anti uh, anti crypto advocate right now. Yeah, I read um, your blog post. It was interesting. <laughs> but uh, actually, as, wait, sorry, uh, I want to interrupt you. I was wait one second. I wanna I wanna throw sorry. in. I want to interrupt you for a second. I want to throw in like a what do you call it? Um, praise for bear blog. So just re crypto. Um, I was in an Uber and my internet connection was like terrible or my cell connection, and I wanted to like read something. And I was like, you know what? Let me go on bear blog because bear blog I know is gonna be fast. <laughs> I don't have to like download some <laughs> annoying thing. Like usually I go to Hacker News because Hacker News is like really quick too. But like I was in the position where I wanted to not have to like deal with bad connection speeds so you know i thought let's go to bear blog <laughs> oh fantastic that's exactly what i wanted to hear yeah <laughs> anyway though you were um, saying about crypto you're so canceling. so uh with when i was writing the whole crypto train is i decided to set up a um arbitrage bot that uh essentially does trades between um between exchanges yeah and it takes a bit of a profit here and there um, but I also wanted to have a second, um, I wanted to be able to eyeball that trade before I made it. Yeah. So I set up a telegram bot for my bot to say like, Hey, we're just about to execute this, yeah. uh, this trade. Um, does it look like bullshit or not? And right. I can say yes or no. Right. And setting up a telegram bot was awesome. Right. I'm like, this is the future. Like all of our things are going to run through through chatbots, um, you want to order food, you say, you know, forward slash restaurants, and then it gives you a list of all the restaurants in your area. Yeah. And you say, uh, you know, press whatever, Thai food, and you order Thai food. And then payment goes through Telegram or WhatsApp or whatever. Yeah. And then. Yeah, no, I, I think um, they could be really useful. I'm kind of feeling the same way. I don't know why they haven't been as, as like popular. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, the, the the future is unclear. Uh, I know that Apple is coming under a lot of uh, fire for the App Store uh, and its, you know, fees and oh, yeah. uh, whether it is 
is engaging in anti-competitive behavior. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing a lot of companies look for alternatives to running through the app store, so if they can run through a chatbot via a different platform, mm-hmm. that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I do know that uh, predominantly in China does do a whole bunch of stuff like that, like pretty much everything runs through WeChat. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the alternative is also progress web apps. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I I mean I am a web developer. Um, I kind of have a bias against like mobile iOS Android kind of stuff, but the web as a platform, I mean, it works. You know, universally, you can use it on your laptop, on phones, like whatever else hooks up to the web, and like that's the way it should be. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Is I've I've uh, built just sketch me as a progressive web app, and the only issue that I have with it is uh, I get a decent amount of support emails from people saying like, "Hey, how do I install this? I can't see the you know app store button." Yeah, uh-huh. and I'm like, but you've just sent me the link to the page that explains how you install <laughs> this on iOS. It turns out people really don't like reading stuff. Yeah, I know. Big old football. I experienced that with uh, with premium poker tools. So something interesting is the word app. Um, I I would tell people so premium poker tools is a web app, um, meaning that it's a web application. It's a website that you go to. It's not there's no iOS or Android app that you can download. Um, so I I tell people like I'm building an app and it's called premium poker tools and they're like oh cool and like they go and like they go try to download it on like the app store or something and they're like hey like you said like i can't find it and i'm like oh no it's a web app and they're like what, what like what's a web app i don't know what you mean <laughs> so i started calling yeah, it a website the, that's the most unambiguous it's also useful way. to think of um it's also useful to think of these uh these app stores as search engines as well yeah right? it's mm-hmm. like it's a means of discovery right, uh, right so trying to find a way to like search engine without having to build out an actual ios app is uh is tough <laughs> yeah yeah that's very true huh maybe that's an interesting idea how can you solve that problem <laughs> i don't know if that's solvable well one way that there is there is one thing i could potentially do say for just sketch me would be to create a very very basic app that just has like one model and very limited functionality oh that's and a good point if you yeah. want yeah and it's really just a, a funnel to get people to go to the web app that's a really great idea i feel like that makes a lot of sense uh, apple might reject it though because technically upgrading would not via the app and one of the stipulations for the app store is that if there are any payments that could potentially be made, they have to go through Apple Pay. Oh man, that sucks. So that they can get their fee. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but the Play Store will just be like, yeah, put it on there. We yeah. accept you. Damn. Yeah, that's a really big restriction. It prevents you because, like you said, it's a the discoverability of the app store is huge. So if you could just have a simple app that people can funnel you, you can funnel them to your website or something. Um, but yeah, if Apple rejects that, that sucks. Done with uh, uh, just not enough time to play with with all of them. Yeah. Like prioritize which ones would potentially be the uh, the most successful. 
Yeah, I, I kind of want to, once we're done talking, go Google around about this because I feel like that's something every entrepreneur faces. Maybe post on Indie Hackers or something because, um, you know, that's not specific to just sketch me. That's like any, any internet business that idea would make sense. So I'm sure there's people who've like investigated it. Yeah, it's like uh, opportunity cost for inbound channels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's been about an hour. I don't um, want to keep you too long. I know you're um, in the mountains having a good good time in the cabin and stuff. Um, anything you want to like wrap up with? Actually, no. I'm I, I'm very happy to to have this chat with you. If you're interesting to to listen to and and chat to, and uh, yeah, I'm, I've had a blast. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Um, you want to throw out your. I, I thought about this last time. The last time I was doing an interview, I was like, why would I ask them to like say their Twitter username and like their website name when it's just going to be in the show notes? But I, I thought to myself that a good explanation might be like, people might be listening to the podcast, but not care enough to like look in the show notes. So it might make sense to like verbally like say the name of your website and stuff. <laughs> What do you think? I'm all just right, curious. Well, uh, is that worth to, it? Like... To all of you fine listeners, uh, all of you fine listeners listening, um, uh-huh. uh, you've heard about Just Sketch Me. Uh, that's at justsketch.me. So if you're an artist, just check it out there. I run a free mineral blogging platform called BearBlog at bearblog.dev. And if you want to check out Herman.dev, and I'm not on Facebook, it's Twitter. Uh, so don't try to look for me there. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it's been great talking to you. Thanks again.